Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 217 being recorded on Thursday, April 23rd, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason Scott Show listeners. We are still recording during this fun pandemic shelter at home period. Um, and because we normally, when we're not sheltering at home, have day jobs and record the podcast late, late at night, it really restricts people that are crazy enough to come on the podcast. So we're using this opportunity to go through what I would call our marketplace bucket list. So today on the podcast, we have another bucket list guest. So this is pretty exciting. One of the biggest trends in U.S. marketplaces that's kind of under the radar, and if you go to like a lot of trade shows and stuff, but uh, is if you look at traffic data, you realize there's a really big movement here, um, is what I would call a new family, a new innovation around smartphone app-based consumer-to-consumer, or some people say person-to-person marketplaces. So today on the show, we are really excited to have the CEO of what I believe to be the largest one of these these new kind of mobile marketplaces, we have uh, the CEO of OfferUp, Nick Huzar. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Do you prefer person-to-person, consumer-to-consumer, or do you use some other lingo? Uh, I, think it's, I think it's all the same. The, uh, the, 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 the main idea is you know, leveraging the, this technology that's in all of our pockets to uh, kind of reimagine local commerce as we know it. Awesome. Uh, and, and Nick, we may be the only ones on the planet that have a marketplace bucket list, but we're, we're, <laughs> uh, everyone we, needs one. Yeah. Everyone should have one, but I feel like we're the only ones that are cool enough to actually have one. So thanks for helping us, uh, check one, one off. Um, but before we jump into offer up in marketplaces, uh, we always like to give listeners a little bit of, of uh, color about your background. So can you tell us, uh, what you were doing and how you came to offer up? Yeah, happy to. Um, so I've always been in the, um, I'd say the internet space pretty much since I graduated college. Um, kind of dating myself now, but I used to, I remember coming out of school, I had to explain to people or companies why they needed a database connected to their website. So that's kind of gives you an idea of when I graduated college. Um, but I've always been fascinated by, I think, the the endless possibilities with the internet. So in some way, shape or form, I've I've been in various startups, um, you know, throughout most of my career. I did some brief stints at T-Mobile, um, spent a little bit of time at Microsoft. Um, you know, I've, I've done a few different companies. My, my previous company to uh, offer up was called Connects. Um, most people have no idea who the heck we were. I'm not surprised, but uh, we started uh, Connects pre-Friendster. And so sometimes I also have to remind people, well, what the heck was Friendster? Well, Friendster came before MySpace, and MySpace came before kind of Facebook. So uh, we were very early. I think I like to say I learned a lot of uh, mistakes on kind of how to build a company and, and, and a startup. Um, and you know, ultimately, um, I had no plans on doing another startup. There was a lot of work, uh, but I had a, a daughter on the way, um, and I was so excited. I went into this room full of stuff uh, that I had in, uh, in my house. 
and I was going to turn it into her nursery. And that became the spark that ultimately turned into offer up. And, you know, for me, what, you know, I had, I didn't jump on it right away. I mean, clearly, you know, I think there's a, a long, there's a graveyard of companies that have tried to uh, compete locally. Um, but uh, I think what, what, what drew me to this opportunity was this device that, you know, is now in all of our pockets, but, you know, back when we started offer up, um, you know, very few people had smartphones. In fact, there was no Android phone. Um, so, you know, what I, what I could imagine at the time was like, look, I just wanted to make these, I just wanted to clear out this room like quickly. And there was no easy way to do that. So uh, again, looking at, you know, this device that had was now in my pocket, I just kept wondering to myself, can we, is it, is it time to reimagine what local can be, um, you know, through these devices? So um, that's what ultimately, um, you know, created this spark for me to want to, you know, pursue this, this, uh, this opportunity. Cool. So um, what year did you found offer up? Is this like 2010? Is that? Uh, I lose track of time, to be honest. I, th- I think nine years ago now. Yep. Um, talk us through the funding history. I looked up on uh, Crunchbase and they were very specific. They said you've raised $381 million. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> they couldn't round that. Um, anyway, congrats on that. That's that's always, you know, fundraising isn't uh, the best measure of success, but it is one. So congrats on all the fundraising. Walk us through kind of the, the funding history there. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, going back again to that that moment in my doorway in a room I wanted to clear out, I, I think like, like any entrepreneur, um, you have this big aha moment and then the reality hits that you have to actually go build it. And that's when it gets hard. And so, um, you know, again, just, you know, why, and I like to remind a lot of people that, that people kind of tend to put us in this bucket of, oh, it's, it's mobile classifieds. And I think that's a fine public perception today, but that's to be clear, not at all what I set out to build. What we set out to build was, um, you know, to become the largest local marketplace period. And that's, you know, we, what we, what I saw as an opportunity was just unlocking local value. And what I mean by that is, you know, 25% of U.S. households with a two-car garage, they can't park in their garage. Um, you know, our homes are 30% larger than the 50s, but we're having less kids. And so there's just so much stuff stuck in, in, in our homes. Um, if you look at storage, you know, 10% of our population now rent storage units. Um, but even beyond that, and especially now, what about local retail? What is What is in these stores? Like you can never, you can't visualize those things today. And I, I think... The, the opportunity that I saw was, um, you know, again, how do you unlock all this value? And my belief was it's locked up because there's a lot of friction in that experience. And so anyhow, that's my long way of saying um, it, it took us a while to raise funds. Like the first year, we only had $100,000 raised. And we just, you know, luckily I can code and design and my co-founder could you know, set up AWS and, and, and set up the back end. So between the two of us, we paid ourselves literally nothing and just coded for basically a year straight. Um, and then year two, we had to figure out how to get scale. And I'll spare all the details because I could go on for hours and all the failed experiments that we tried. But um, that was very hard. That was a very, very hard time. So, you know, ultimately... Scale from a technology standpoint or scale from uh, no, a to- user Buyer, seller, so yeah, buyers and sellers, and so yeah. you know, I, I used to show up to people, pretend you, you pretend you're, you know, you posted your couch on offer up. I used to show up and I'd buy it from you. 
because we had very few posts back then. And I wouldn't tell you that I worked it off up. I just wanted you to believe it worked. And then I'd bring it back. Ultimately, we had a small office. I'd stick it in our office. So you can imagine five guys coding at a few desks with just junk everywhere. That's what it looked like for a while. Uh, you know, it's one of those fake it till you make it moments. Um, but it took us almost two years before we raised our Series A. Um, and I think that was, you know, I think that it was, it was very hard. I think a lot of people thought we were just trying to replicate kind of what had been done on the desktop. Um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, um, you know, we were also early. That was another lesson. Like, you know, we, we started really early. And so there was no Android phones for a while. And so I think that was another, you know, I, I think it was one of those things where we just had to see smartphone adoption take off. And then clearly we had to prove to investors that we actually could get the flywheel to move in a marketplace. We could get buyers to po- buy and sellers to post and just continue to get that flywheel to work. And so, um, you know, and, and when we raised our series A, we were only in Seattle. It was very, very intentional. Um, there was a handful of competitors at the time, and I, I think they were probably, you know, really smart folks, but uh, on the technical side, but I don't think they were, me- you know, really measuring and thinking about what is success. And success is like, it's liquidity. That's everything. And so we stayed in one zip code until we got that flywheel to move. Uh, conversely, we had competitors that were then launching, you know, they launched an app and say, oh, you can use it anywhere in the country. And I, you know, I thought that was disastrous. I thought that, you know, they were not going to have success on liquidity. So I didn't worry too much about them. So, um, you know, as we raise more capital, over over the years, a lot of the focus has been well, early in the early days with just launching new markets. You know, we stayed in Seattle for a year, a uh, year or so, and then raised our A. And with that capital, we wanted to prove that we could then roll into numerous, you know, other markets. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you're very knowledgeable about marketplaces. Did you just grind this out yourself or did you, you know, how did you learn so much about marketplaces? Uh, yeah, I have I have zero history in marketplaces, at, uh, and so I actually think Smart that's issue. yeah, I think that's <laughs> kind of a benefit. You know, I I remember hearing a podcast once with Reed Hoffman talking about why PayPal was such a success, and he said like, look, I didn't come from banking, like I didn't know any better. I just and I think that was the same, um, the way I looked at this. Like I I literally I can't think of any time where we ever pulled up uh, any desktop websites and marketplaces. Uh, as an example of how to design offer up, it was all just what what was the experience we wanted to create, and let's just design what that is. Uh, a good example would be, you know, if you open up offer up today, it's going to show you uh, items nearby you um, with some personalization um, um, and just like this infinite list of pictures. Um, when we launched, nobody was doing that. I mean, this was pre Instagram, right? So um, it was a it was kind of a novel. Uh, idea at the time. Um, and, you know, we wanted to kind of simulate this treasure hunt, right? We wanted to have this, I just want to visualize what's in my neighbor's garage or what's in a business down the street. Um, so, you know, I think we've taken a lot of just approaches completely different. And, and back to your question, I think that's, it's, it's probably just because we didn't know any different. Cool. Um, so I noticed uh, on the Crunchbase list there, you had some of the uh, some of the late stage guys, some of the mutual funds that have kind of gone early. That's interesting. And then I saw Max uh, Levchin. So he's a CEO, founder of a firm, and then also part of the PayPal Mafia. Has that has he been a good good addition to the team? Oh yeah, Max. Oh, I've I've known Max just you know over the years, um, and he's always been very generous with his time and, and thoughts and 
um, clearly very knowledgeable about payments. And, you know, um, so I, I lean on him um, periodically just to kind of pick his brain on, you know, what's, what's uh, you know, happening in the world and, and how he thinks about um, you know, transactions and payments overall. Uh, that is terrific. Uh, Nick, for listeners that might not be totally familiar with OfferUp, can you kind of walk us through the basic buying and selling flow and kind of what what uh, pieces you you uh, help facilitate? Yeah, um, for sure. So I think on the buyer side, you know, as I mentioned just briefly a moment ago, our our view has been, you know, we want to, you know, we want to build the simplest, largest, and most trusted local marketplace. And that's, that shows up a lot in the product. So, um, you know, when you open up the product, think of it like walking into a, a retail store. Uh, and we wanted to make it a very visual, you know, visual experience. And luckily over the years, one of our, 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 our beliefs was the cameras would constantly get better and we could, you know, really show these beautiful pictures, um, you know, with an offer up and that, that has been true. And so, you know, that's the first thing I think you notice as, as a buyer, that it is a very different experience than going to a lot of traditional, say, desktop um, uh, marketplaces. Um, and that that's very intentional. We wanted it to be kind of the treasure hunt. We wanted it to, um, you know, be some elements of serendipity where you maybe you're looking for a car and you end up buying a pair of shoes. Um, that, that happens quite a bit, um, you know, on offer up. And so, you know, our, our average buyer... Um, you know, is on offer up like three times a day. Um, they engage in offer up more like they engage in social media than they do in uh, traditional uh, commerce. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. So if you're a buyer and say, for example, you're looking for, I don't know what's popular right now. Like a lot of things are like, like uh, fitness equipment is on fire right now. I think a lot of people are stuck at home and they can't go to the gym. Uh, so let's say you're looking for some weights, you scroll through, you find something nearby you then can then you, you can then read the profile about the seller, like how many ratings do they have, how far away do they live, um, do you have trusted connections through friends to that seller, um, and you can read through just some overall profile information to make sure that there's somebody that you trust and are, are wanting to do business with. And then the process of engaging on you know say those weights is actually you know very straightforward. You can um, uh, if, if it's a shipping item, you can just hit a button and have it shipped to you. Um, if it's a local item, you can just send them a message and say, Hey, can we, you know, meet up tomorrow? Um, and, uh, you know, the whole idea from the, the buyer standpoint was to make it, you know, a really simple experience, but also back to this trust element, have, having a profile and understanding who you're interacting with, um, not giving out your phone number. Like, you know, I think in a lot of traditional local marketplaces, you have to get out your phone number to close a transaction. Um, you know, offer up is really, um, commerce wrapped around chat. So you, you can communicate all the way to the point of sale uh, without having to give it out personal uh, information. Um, and then on the seller side, it's, it's literally as easy as taking and sharing a photo. Um, so like this chair that I'm sitting on right now, if I wanted to sell this on offer up, I would just pull out my phone. I would take a picture. I would give it, you know, a price and maybe a short description and hit post and in less than 30 seconds, my chair is now available for the local community to discover. Um, and we, we tend to find that people get engagement extremely quickly. Um, you know, we've, we've heard people that, have, you know, taking pictures and within a minute, um, you know, they get a whole bunch of engagement 
and, uh, you know, upsell things very, very quickly. So, you know, like, like I said, that's, that's a big focus of the product and will continue to be, which will be, you know, removing, um, friction and, in, in, in the experience. And so I think we're, we're far better today than I think the desktop, um, players just because we're leveraging all the power in the, in the smartphone. But, um, I, I still think there's plenty of, plenty of ways we can, um, you know, reduce friction for, for buyers and sellers. Awesome. So, uh, so your two sided marketplace, uh, Buyers, uh, sellers can list items. Buyers can find items. Uh, they negotiate amongst themselves on on pricing. Um, do you offer an option to facilitate the transaction, or, or uh, do you get in into the the payment element at all? We do if you enable your item for shipping. So when you host an item as a seller, there's a, a toggle on there to enable shipping or or only do local. Um, that is a very fast growing, uh, part of our business. We launched that in 2018, especially right now with, with, uh, people stuck at home. It's, it's, it's growing very, very fast. So, um, you know, in, in that case, we take a small percentage, uh, of the transaction to be able to facilitate payments, uh, between buyers and sellers. Gotcha. Um, and by the way, you made me super nostalgic in the beginning when you said, imagine, uh, walking into a store. Does that. We haven't been able to do that in a few months. Um, I know. And it's uh, uh, like, uh, you know, it, it seems trite now. I know it was like a much bigger bet in 2010 when you jumped on it. But like the the insight that the experience on the mobile phone would be dramatically different and lower friction than than the traditional desktop one is kind of big. And I feel like your your uh optimism around the camera like it it keeps paying dividends because i i know the new apple phones that have lidar in them uh i could imagine you're going to be able to get the dimensions of that that desk or chair that you're selling um now or in the in the near future off those kinds of devices oh yeah i I, like i said i think there's we will continue it's i always say that we're kind of reinventing ourselves every year or so we're going back and we're going yep we can make this process better we have let's save some time here um, so there's just so much more we can continue to layer on the marketplace that we have. But, um, you know, back to the point, um, you know, it's, it's just these devices continue to get more and more powerful and we can leverage that to, to make it a better, uh, better experience for our customers. Very cool. Um, so you guys recently announced with your last round that you're acquiring one of your competitors called let go. Um, tell us about that. and and how that's going and why, why you're doing it. And it's always, uh, imagine you're, you're in the midst of integration. That's always fun. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think the, there's a huge opportunity in the U S and I think anytime you're going after a large market, you're going to have, um, competitors. So, uh, as I mentioned, even when we started, we had a handful of competitors. Um, but I think we were the first to really, um, start to get meaningful scale in a pretty big way. Um, so we, we tried to stay as quiet as we could for as long as we could. We, we delayed doing press for a number of years. We just kind of hung out in our office, which is in the swamp in Bellevue, Washington, and didn't really tell a lot of people what we were doing. Um, uh, but ultimately, um, you know, we saw Letgo enter the U.S. And, um, you know, I think what became interesting over the years was just kind of how um, we approached, you know, the market. We've gone very deep into many of the top 30 DMAs in the country, uh, as, as, you know, as offer up, you know, we have markets like, you know, Phoenix and LA, we're over, 
17, 18% of the adult population in those markets is using OfferUp every single month. Um, and with, with LetGo, they, you know, they uh, are, are uh, as I said, have more of a presence in other parts of the country. And, and, and so I think that right there made it you know, pretty intriguing to explore, you know, working with them more um, as we think about how do we, how do we grow in other parts of the country even more? How do we kind of drive a local adoption where we're already strong? Um, so we thought there were, were quite a few uh, synergies uh, and not a ton of overlap. I think people tend to gravitate to the marketplaces where they have the most success. Um, I don't think most users are going to use, you know, a whole bunch of these. I think they're just really going to focus on the ones that are is producing the best value for them. So, you know, I think that right there was, you know, as we spent more time um, with them, it became more intriguing that there was a good, you know, synergy in our, in our businesses. Um, and then on, on, on top of that, you know, as we wanted to come together, we just have a lot of, you know, I think product development ahead of us and things we wanted to build. So, you know, raising capital on top of that um, was, was uh, intriguing as well. And so we're, we have feel fortunate that, you know, their investors invested and, you know, we have, I think some of the best investors on the planet uh, and offer up. And um, they also uh, participated at, um, in this financing too. Well, are you going to, there's one strategy in, in mobile apps to have kind of, you know, two apps out there because it's almost like more virtual shelf space. Are you guys going to have kind of two apps with a little bit of different flavor or are you going to consolidate them into one? Yeah, well, we think there's a lot of opportunity ultimately in having one experience, um, but we're definitely going to um, tread lightly uh, in, into as we explore integration with them, the best way to do it. So we don't want, we really want to make sure that, you know, we're taking care of the let go users and taking care of the offer up users as best we can. Uh, but we're, I guess the point is we're not going to just flick a switch. Uh, we're going to spend quite a bit of time and making sure we're being thoughtful about, you know, how we, how we come together. Yeah. The, the mobile app stuff is always very tricky because obviously like it's super hard to get customers to download uh, an app and be, and particularly it's even way harder to get them to be a regular user of that app. And so fragmenting your audience amongst multiple apps, you know, uh, Come, comes with some baggage, but per Scott's point, like it also potentially boosts your visibility in that app store. Uh, a, a random side note, just because it's it's so sad, it's funny. But uh, uh, one of my big clients is Walmart, and they've had this this multi year debate about if they should have two apps, uh, general merchandise and grocery, or one. Um, and I, I've always strongly felt they should have one. Uh, a few months ago, they finally agreed to do that. Uh, and then a month before they merged the two apps, uh, COVID-19 pandemic hits and uh, they, like it 10x is downloads of their grocery app. So, so yeah, you, can't, you can't predict that. No, <laughs> no. So I, like, I briefly thought I finally won that argument. And then the, 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 commu- the, the world spoke. Um, but uh, I, I do, I noticed that you like to increase the level of difficulty. You were just having a kid and you decided to throw in a startup um, and uh, like you decided to do a big round of funding and a merger in the middle of a pandemic. So uh, props to you for that. Um, the, you know, two set of marketplaces are super interesting from a marketing standpoint. Like there's a lot of debate. Uh, one big debate is, do you expand geographically or not? And it sounds like you guys made a intentional decision to get a concentration in some geos before you expanded. 
but the other big question is like, can, you know, can you really lean into marketing to one side or the other? Right. So are you, you know, do you try to in, 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 in uh, entice sellers and then that will like pull in the buyers or do you try you know, do you try to get buyers and that'll pull in the sellers? Like, has there been a, uh, a strategy that's been particularly effective for you or how do you think about that? Yeah. So, you know, in the early days, if, if I was to say what was one of the harder periods and scaling offer up, it was definitely getting the flywheel to move. And, and I've heard a lot, you know, a number of people say building marketplaces are really hard. And then they're also really hard to, to kind of break down. Um, and, you know, I, I know that pain because not only did we figure that out in Seattle, but every time we entered a new market, essentially we were creating a brand new marketplace. So, you know, what I used, you know, what we used to spend a bunch of time on was looking at kind of the overall metrics that really mattered. Um, and I used to always say, Hey, we need to get neighborhoods sick. We need to create the zombie apocalypse. Like, how do we get, you know, how do we get, you know, how do we get the flywheel to move where the seller posts something, then the buyer's there and the buyer has an amazing experience. And then they tell their friends and family and it just kind of keeps going and going and going. And, you know, what you know what are those attributes of those markets that are really material and what we found early on was um population density definitely matters to a certain degree um you know um weather matters like do you really want to move a couch and uh in chicago in the dead of winter um we actually you know we we're thinking about that and then we said no like nobody wants to do that um and um and so luckily we found markets that that we thought, you know, just had the right attributes and we really overinvested in those markets. And LA is a great example. I mean, LA is a massive market. Um, a lot of people have cars, they can move goods around. The weather's nice most of the year. Um, you know, it's very viral. Um, most of OfferUp's growth is we've, we've spent dollars on marketing, but to be clear, most of it is word of mouth. And I think that's that goes back to the obsession over the product and creating a really simple experience between buyers and sellers. And, and and because of that, you know, most people I run into, I ask them how they heard about OfferUp and it's usually, you know, a friend, friend or a family member. So yeah, th- those, those were, I think some of the harder learnings in the beginning. Um, you know, today we're, I, you know, I really give kudos to my marketing team, like a lot of the work they do. I mean, we, we do all of our marketing in house hundred percent, um, you know, and that team, all kind of works together, external marketing, internal communications, and we're constantly, I, I call them day traders. They're constantly, um, you know, looking at markets differently. And sometimes they'll try to drive more supply and target sellers more. Uh, sometimes they'll pull back. Um, but they are constantly iterating all throughout the country, um, you know, sometimes at a national level, uh, but many times on a, on a local level uh, to kind of make sure that that supply and demand balance is, is where it needs to be. Awesome. And then we, we talked earlier uh, about like when they check that, that available for shipping uh, option that, that you potentially can facilitate payments. Uh, I forgot to ask, uh, like, is that exclusively through like a traditional credit card processor or, or do you guys offer, like, I imagine consumers could do this outside of you, but do you guys facilitate any kind of digital wallet, like a PayPal or something along those lines? Uh, we don't today, uh, but again, this is a big growth area for us. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity to make a much better payment experience uh, in the U.S. Um, 
especially now if, if anyone's gone shopping recently, um, who the heck wants to carry cash around anymore? Who wants to touch these POS systems that now like the, the one at the store down the street from me has like a piece of Saran wrap over it. Uh, and then, it, and then it right next to it, it has a bunch of hand sanitizer. So, yeah. um, yeah, uh, and that was already unappetizing. Now it could kill you. Yeah. Now it can kill you. Right. And so if you look to the rest of the world, I feel like we are so far behind in the U S um, and, you know, I've had people ask me, well, why is that? And my response is usually you're asking the wrong question. You should be asking who, what company, you know, is going to be the one that helps to drive this. And, and I think, you know, because of our local presence and how many millions of monthly meetups we have, and, um, you know, we have more kind of merchants now using offer up. Um, you know, I think there's, there's, there's a big area there in the U S uh, but I, I get, I get more and more fresh, frustrated week after week of trying to figure out, you know, another new POS system. I could go in there. Well, do I put the chip in? Oh, you don't do the chip. And then you got to hit this button. Why do I got to do this? And I'm, uh, I just want to pull your hair out every time. It's, it's not a great experience and it needs to, it needs to evolve. Yeah. I, I actually have an Instagram feed that is exclusively pictures of handwritten notes on POS terminals explaining how to use them. Oh man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta follow you then because yeah. I, uh, <laughs> it's, you're, you're, sadly, you're, it's not hard to find, yeah. not hard to find material. Um, and yeah, it is funny cause it's like people forget, but PayPal in the U S and Alipay in China, they, you know, their, their original purpose was not necessarily to digitize cash. It was, uh, to, you know, create, a a more robust trust system for peer to peer transactions. And so I could, uh, certainly see that playing out. And that's, and that's a big part too. I mean, that is, that is a big part is uh, really bringing trust into local transactions, you know, and, and online, you know, it's, it's already there. And you know, if you're shipping things, it's already, you know, that's, that path has been uh, proven again and again. Uh, so this is definitely an area where we're pioneering and there's still a lot to figure out, but uh, something I'm, I'm definitely passionate about. Nice. Um, and then unfortunately, as like uh, as things start opening up from the pandemic, we're likely going to be in a, a, a some flavor of recession. And, uh, you know, a lot of consumers could be tighter on credit. So, you know, I could even imagine things like uh, like the installment model and things having a having a role. Um, but uh, in addition to that, the other thing that would uh, maybe fit at some point is do you guys think about ever helping to facilitate that shipping um, when that's an option? Yeah. So, so today we, uh, as I mentioned, we, we introduced this in 2018, we have payments and uh, we're presently enabling shipping for items under 20 pounds uh, and under $500. So, um, you know, part of that was simply just to kind of get the foundation and get the kinks figured out. And there's been a lot of work, uh, as you can imagine, when we first launched that, uh, but over o- over time, like I envision that anything on OfferUp should be, um, you know, deliverable in some way, shape, or form. So uh, I think there's a lot of work to figure out how to do that the right way. Um, so, but we'll continue to you know explore you know different ways to do that. Yeah, cool. So, so if you're um, if you're not in the payment flow, then unlike a traditional marketplace like an Amazon or an eBay, then presumably you're not taking a take rate. So, explain to us what is the business model? Um, you know, where um, are you, are people paying the list, or, or walk us through kind of the different areas where you make money? 
Yeah. So there's, there's two different, uh, I'd say kind of buckets for monetization today at OfferUp. And the first one is promotions and the second one is payment. So, you know, when it comes to promotions, our focus there is simply to help sellers to be more successful. So, um, you know, we have uh, first party ads, for example, where, you know, you could come in as a seller and, um, you know, you can pay to increase your visibility on the platform. Uh, it just helps you sell things quicker. Uh, there's also a re- reoccurring subscription uh, model there where you could say, okay, I, I sell quite a bit. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pay a monthly fee and I'm just going to keep rotate, say five items into that, um, you know, into the feed. And we, and we, uh, help to that seller to sell those items faster. Um, we also have uh, a, a autos business um, where um, you know this this was um, I'd say a vertical that just blew up on us that we had we had it wasn't like we were geniuses. I, I swear there was probably just a convention uh, one year in I think Vegas and uh, I think somebody must have stood up and said, "Hey, I'm selling a lot of cars on OfferUp," and all of a sudden this vertical just became huge for us uh, across the country. Um, And so in the last few years, we started to spend more time uh, thinking about how we can help auto dealers to be more successful. So um, that is another promotional tool uh, where we integrate with their, um, their dealer management system. So they don't always have to use the app. You know, if a car goes on the lot, it automatically goes on offer up. Um, We also give them advertising and analytics. They get a special uh, badge in their profile. Um, There's a handful of things we do to make sure that they're, uh, they, they, they stand out. And so, um, you know, we have thousands and thousands of paying car dealers and that's growing very rapidly. Um, and then on the, uh, the payment side, it's, it's, you know, today mostly shipping, as I had mentioned. Um, and that's, that's where we're taking a, you know, small percentage of, uh, the transactions there. I've also seen some ads like, uh, I'm a big star Wars fan. I see GameStop advertises a bunch of cool stuff in the star Wars category. Is that, is that, have you guys built your own ad network or is that pulled from like another ad network of some kind? Yeah. So we incorporated, um, you know, the third party ads that you see in there a number of years ago, primarily because it was easy one and two, it actually helped um, buyers. And it was one of those where I, I was saying, Oh, we're never going to put ads in there. It's going to ruin the feed. Um, <laughs> but I found actually the opposite was true where, buyers were finding that, hey, maybe if I couldn't find that kid's bike down the street that I wanted, but uh, maybe I could see one, you know, from a, you know, some local retail store and have it shipped to me or go, go, you know, buy it. Um, the other thing that it did was also enable people to do some pricing comparison, right? So they, maybe they see that brand new bike and they see one very summer uh, in the feed and they realize they're, get, they're getting a really good, good deal on that. So, uh, we do do some third-party uh, advertising, uh, which you can kind of see um, throughout the feed as well. Yeah, I think you guys do a great job at it. There's a price, and it's very clearly an ad, whereas it's not like you know some unnamed other marketplaces where you're kind of like, you know, why is this showing up? And, and uh, your targeting is really good, too. Other ones, you're kind of like, why am I seeing this random iPhone accessory when I'm over here looking for couches? Exactly. Um. So, so uh, that's super helpful. Um, you mentioned earlier a bunch of KPIs to get the liquidity going. Um, give a give listeners any metrics you can share, and you know I don't want you to get into any uncomfortable space. But anything you can give us about the scale of the business to help them understand, I, I think that would be interesting. Uh, sure. 
Yeah. So I, I think the, you know, what I would say, you know, going back to me buying things from people in the beginning, Li- liquidity in my mind is everything. Um, you know, the switching cost to jo- to try any marketplace is, is not, not that high. So, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were, we were the best marketplace we could be for local buying and selling. So, um, you know, what, what I could say around that is, you know, in, on a monthly basis, we have billions of dollars in GMV, um, um, you know, from transactions happening on OfferUp. And so it's great to see that we're, you know, providing that value and success for, for buyers and sellers. Um, you could also probably glean this from the app store, but, you know, the OfferUp app has now been installed uh, over 90 million times and we're only focused on the U.S. Um, so, you know, we've been a top, I'd say we've been a top 10 shopping app for many years now. Um, so I'm pretty proud of that considering, um, you know, we're up there with, with giants, um, you know, multi-billion dollar publicly traded companies. Um, so it's pretty happy to see that, you know, people have been telling others about OfferUp at such a high rate that it's kind of catapulted us to the top and we've been there for, for, uh, for such a long time. Um, and then I think, I think the other thing, again, what I, I, I share is kind of what I said before is, you know, we have markets, uh, a lot of our, especially, you know, top markets where, you know, we're, you know, close to 20% of the entire adult population using op- offer up every month. And I think that's only going to get better as we continue to improve on the product experience and, and drive more, um, you know, adoption there. Um, trying to think again, maybe something worth sharing with uh, listeners around just what's happening um, you know, with the marketplace today. And so, you know, if anything, you know, I really feel for, you know, a lot of people and what they're going through out there uh, right now. I think a lot of businesses are hurting, not just traditional, but also tech companies. And uh, fortunately for us, it's, it's the opposite. Like we are, we have been growing so quick over the last number of uh, months. Um, and the categories have really changed. Like, um, I think part of the challenge is people can't, you know, they can't go to the store down the street. So how are they going to get certain goods? And um, so our shipping business, we're seeing a lot more uh, people shipping things, uh, electronics, especially video games. I think video games are, are very, you know, you know, trying to keep the kids busy. Um, you know, locally, we're seeing a lot of what I call kind of porch pickups where, People say, "Hey, let's let's stay let's, let's stay safe, let's socially distance." But hey, I'll just leave the um, you know just leave the dresser out on the uh, on the um, on, on the on the patio or the door, and uh, just you know leave money under the mat or just ring the doorbell and show me that you're leaving the money there. So I think there's you know I think people are behaving differently, but we're definitely seeing a shift in categories where, like I said, like uh, fitness is way up, um, household goods. Uh, electronics, um, tools, um, things around the yard. So not, not, I don't think surprising for most people, but uh, definitely seeing it's been great to see how offer up during this time is able to really, you know, help, help people and how those categories have, have changed. Very cool. The, uh, so we saw, so channel advisor, uh, when I say we, um, it was interesting. We saw the, the, the stimulus checks hit, like starting on the 15th and it's, we, we saw this kind of overall lift. Uh, this is all public from a webinar. We saw this overall lift and then like this really interesting kind of taking off into another gear around then. Did you guys see anything around that stimulus check time? Yeah. So the, you know, this is an interesting time of year for OfferUp. 
Um, part of it is usually spring cleaning. Um, and that's definitely happening quite a bit. Um, but we've also noticed, um, you know, around stimulus and, uh, and tax time, definitely a lift. Um, you know, you, you can, you can tell when people are getting their taxes or tax refunds and stimulus checks, like by the day, as you can see like this huge step up in overall, um, engagement. Yeah. Uh, like on the flip side of that, are you finding any extra challenges? Like, you know, a lot of your goods were, were sort of handed off a person to person. And I imagine there's extra trepidation about social distancing and stuff like that. Are you having to take extra steps to make people comfortable with, with person to person transactions right now? So we, you know, what we, we spent a lot of time just kind of thinking about this and we, we have a blog where we posted kind of our overall points of view and, and guidance on that. Um, I think the challenge clearly is it's a, it's a local, you know, city by city um, you know, decision. And uh, it's still <laughs> shocking to me that there's still a number of cities that haven't really <laughs> quarantined. Uh, so, you know, I don't think it's our call to be specific on exactly what you should and shouldn't do. Um, but we did have some overall, you know, high level guidelines and encourage people to, you know, pay attention to what, you know, your city and officials are saying locally and, and try to adhere to those. Um, but I think it's a, it's a definitely a, um, um, uh, kind of a, got to thread the needle lightly because we, we want to be able to help people, but we want people to be safe. And especially when stores and resources are closed, like where can they get things right now? And so I think in one level, we're providing a service to help people, um, but we want them to be safe and adapt. Um, you know, we've seen auto dealers, for example, um, selling cars right now. And you're kind of like, well, how's that working? And well, what you've seen them do is, you know, they'll post an item on offer up and they'll communicate around it. And then they'll, they'll jump on the phone with the the buyer and they'll do title and they'll do all the paperwork and financing. And they just bring the car, they'll just bring the car to the buyer's house and they just, you know, wave at them out, out the window. Here's your car. Congrats. I'm going to leave the key right here for you. And uh, uh, so there's, you know, you're seeing people, um, you know, adapt during a time like this to figure out how to, you know, how, how to make it work. Yeah, that's fascinating. And you, you mentioned auto, which is uh, an interesting category to me. Like you, you don't necessarily uh, think of that as a, uh, a peer to peer kind of uh, play, but uh, it, it really is right. Like, is that a category you guys entered intentionally or was that a pleasant surprise or how has that played out? Uh, yeah. So as I mentioned a little bit earlier, it was, it was a pleasant surprise. I, I would love to say we were geniuses and really figured something out there, but um, I, I think it's again, back to creating this, this, you know, very easy to use local experience. Um, I think a lot of dealers started jumping on our platform because it was so easy to list cars and attract a lot of buyers. Um, and so we just, we've clearly benefited, benefited from that. So you know, I, I think I definitely think today we're probably one of the top places in the country to buy a car. I mean, we we sell millions and millions and millions of cars on on offer up every year, um, and so um, you know it's definitely a big vertical uh, for us that we'll continue to you know invest in. Uh, that that's awesome. Um, the like another one that I'm just uh, somewhat curious about. 
Uh, so I, I try to follow the the platforms in China pretty closely, and obviously, you know, Taobao is is a huge consumer to consumer platform there. And one thing I've noticed over the last like four or five years is they have dramatically pivoted from being super product centric, like being a catalog of product, to being very content centric. So they're like really leaning into the the microblogs and the short video and all those sorts of things. Um, like I haven't seen that as much by anyone in the U.S. Like, do you think that could work in the U.S. or do you do you think there's just a different sensibility or? And, and just to elaborate on what you're saying, are you are you um, are you talking about where 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 people are showing off products and they're these short videos? Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's like a seller would you know now is likely to have their own page on you know or on, like think of it like a microsite on Taobao. Um, and they're, they're doing like HSN style, you know, little, little 60 second product demo videos to sell their goods. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's definitely interesting. Um, you know, I, I think that's something that we could continue to explore and play with over time. Um, you know, I think there is a time and place for that. Um, especially if you're a power seller selling, you know, a lot of items and you want to build some affinity around what you're doing. Um, you know, today, at least, you know, the majority of offer up is really kind of overall, um, you know, peer to peer. So um, I, I wouldn't say you're, you're I, I could see your average seller doing that in, in, in depth, but uh, I could definitely see, I think, more um, power sellers spending the time to to do that. And then again, like, like I said before, these phones keep getting better, right? The quality is getting better all around. And so um, I think it's just a more engaging experience uh, versus what it, you know, what it may have been in the past. Yeah, that's a good, let's, uh, let's explore that. So you, you obviously spend every day kind of marinating in the e-commerce juice of marketplaces and transactions or anything. Where do you think things are going to go in the next three to five years? Are we going to have like AR, VR, or do you think it's just going to be better kind of experiences along the lines of what we're having here? Well, I mean, I, I definitely think there's a big, there's a big movement happening. It's already been happening, but I think because of COVID, it's probably going to move quite a bit faster. And that is just the overall, again, unlocking of local value in my mind. Um, you know, 85% of commerce uh, is still not online today. It's it's local. And I think for everyone that's in tech, we kind of scratch our heads and we're like, oh, I thought we all used, you know, the, the big e-commerce players that are out there. and um, I think they will continue to uh, evolve and, and, and probably grow and chip away at that number. Um, but I think there's just a lot of locked up value all around us. Um, and, you know, part of our vision is how do we create the best experience and help, um, you know, sellers to, to bring those, those things online. So I think that that movement is going to happen uh, at an accelerated pace, especially right now. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of struggling businesses that, you know, as soon as COVID hit and their physical store closed, then the answer was like, well, now what do I do? And so, you know, if, if they can bring product online, we can help to facilitate those, those transactions in a pretty in a meaningful way. So, um, you know, my vision for OfferUp has always been, I just, I just want you to open up the app and for almost anything you need locally, we have it. And we're able to help you facilitate that. Um, in, in the easiest possible way that, that we can do that. Um, so, you know, again, it's great to see that we already have, you know, a huge percentage of the population using the product and buying and selling things, you know, you know, billions of dollars worth of goods every month. 
Um, but I, I still think we're in the first inning. I think there's just a lot more we can do, um, you know, for, for our customers. Cool, Nick. Uh, you know, one thing that we haven't talked about yet is uh, uh, our friends at Facebook. Like, they obviously have this marketplace platform. Uh, is that a direct competitor? Is that, like, how, how do you think about Facebook marketplace? And is that getting any traction? Yeah, I mean, to be clear, Facebook has had some type of commerce even before we started offer up. I mean, um, you know, I think Facebook has definitely been, uh, you know, a large network and there's, there's a zillion different things you can do on there, including uh, commerce. So you definitely have to take them um, seriously, um, you know, as a competitor. Um, you know, I think the other thing that I think gives me, um, you know, some level of comfort is just um, how many different things they have to focus on as a company. Like, it seems like, for every competitor that comes out, they immediately have a solution or they're trying to create their own there. So um, I think they have many different things they're trying to do. Um, and we have one and we're going to go very deep and do that thing uh, the best that we possibly can and obsess, you know, over that. Um, but, you know, definitely a competitor. And as I mentioned, you know, anytime you're going after a large um, market, uh, you're going to attract, um, you know, competitors. So um Yep, they're 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 out there and definitely uh, definitely spending time on on commerce for sure. Yeah, it's usually a bad sign if no one else on the planet ever wants to go after the same market you see. Yeah, your idea is probably not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Nick, that's actually going to be a great place to wrap it up because we've uh, used up our allotted time. But if um, listeners have any comments or questions, we encourage you to continue the conversation uh, with us on uh, Twitter or on our Facebook page. Um, and I uh, really want to thank you for uh, taking time out from this crazy pandemic to talk with us about marketplaces. Well, thanks for having me. It was good to finally uh, talk to someone else because I've been hunkered down in my uh, den now for um, seven weeks. So thanks for uh, getting me out of the office mentally. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. And then um, if folks want to follow any of your thought leadership or anything, do you uh, are you a Twitter or are you still on uh, Friendster? Um, you mentioned that was uh, that earlier. Yeah. Uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nick Huzar. Awesome. And we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, so everyone uh, be safe and well out there. And until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to the Jason and Scott show for all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing. Subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 